This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. When it comes to the locations of famous stories in the Bible, Jehovah clearly states where things happened. He's also very clear about what will happen if we obey and if we rebel. Keith Johnson gets us to follow the Almighty's GPS to famous locations and infamous situations in Israel's history. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Yom Teruah is next weekend. Got it? Okay, you can watch online. We'll have, or in studio, we'll have Jake Hilton, Steve Siefkin, and Matthew Vanderels here, plus the one and only Michael Rood, who, as a matter of fact, created the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you have it on the screen. It's the fourth Shabbat of the sixth month. Now, please welcome my co-host, Tiffany Panaccio. Shabbat Shalom, Scott. Shabbat Shalom. Now, Tiffany, we have you up here because uh, next week is Yom Teruah. Yes. Uh, and you are the event coordinator for Rood Awakening. So where are we at, boss? Oh, we're almost there. We're just about ready to have everyone in-house, and we are super, super excited. So if there are still tickets left, get them. Yeah, yeah, I said watch Come online, spend but time with us. Yeah. I think there are still tickets left. So you can check. There's the information on the bottom of your screen. So you can watch online if, if you didn't make travel plans, but if you can just leave at the drop of a hat and be yeah. here next week, great. Go check and see if there's still some tickets left. I think there are some left, mm -hmm. so we will just uh, lean on that. And uh, tonight, we have a special presentation from Michael. That's why we're hurrying up a little bit here because we want to get to that. Yeah. Uh, but the, tonight is the second episode of Keith's new series, Bible Beyond Borders. And this was super cool. This is where he took a film crew on his last tour and just uh, showed us Israel. For and his heart was, for anybody who's never been able to get to Israel or maybe never will, he wants to take you to Israel. Amazing. Yep. He, and he did that because that's what Michael used to do, right? When he, mm -hmm. Like the, the Red Sea Crossing and all these classic teachings he did in Israel. And he said, you know, Michael did such a great job of bringing people to Israel. Yep. He says, I, I love Michael so much, I want to bring people to Israel just like he did. So that's why he did this. I know I'll be tuning a, in because I haven't been there yet. So. Yeah, me but either, I'm, right? Me either. Yeah, you hope I'm willing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was sort of a good, just a tip of the hat from, from, awesome. uh, from Keith to say, thank you, Michael. I, I want to do something in your honor to bring people to Israel. I love that. That was super cool, yeah. So what do we have here? What is this? This is the September Love Gift, and we have Keith and Nehemiah. Uh, it's called Right on Time from Israel, and they are going through the promised land, behind the scenes stuff, um, and looking at the Creator's calendar and how it applies to the land. Wow, so, super cool. exciting. Yeah, and so, and you, this is a, for the gift yes. of $100 or more, but we want to feature this. You get a shofar. If you don't have a shofar yet, hey, the, the fall feasts are coming. You need a shofar. Yeah. <laughs> so you might as well just uh, make a donation to the ministry through the love gift, and you will get a shofar and a stand to go with it. And uh, if it doesn't quite sit the way it's supposed to, don't worry. That's just the nature of having a shofar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, and if you order 
you know, early in the week, we could probably get it to them before... Before Yom Teruah. Before Yom yep. Teruah. Oh, okay, there we go. Okay, now, of course, the store is closed right now because yes. it's closed on Shabbat, but make plans for right after Shabbat and mm -hmm. you can get one. All right, thanks, Tiffany, appreciate oh, no it. No problem. All right, so Keith Johnson gets us to follow the Almighty's GPS to famous locations and infamous situations in Israel's history. But first, a history lesson about the tabernacle in the wilderness. Here's Michael. The Almighty offered the congregation of Israel to serve him as a nation of priests and kings, with all the rights, protections, and privileges of royalty, if we would obey all that he commanded. Three days later, on the day that would later become celebrated as Shavuot, Pentecost, God shouted down 10 commandments from the top of a thundering, flaming mountain. The traumatized assembly could not bear the drama and begged Moses to go up to meet with God privately to receive the rest of the instructions. They promised to obey everything that Moses commanded them. Yehovah honored their request and communicated the remainder of the commandments directly to Moses. But he told Moses that he would be sending another prophet in the future that prophet would be like Moses, in that he would speak with the Almighty face to face. He would never speak a word that was not directly from the Almighty himself, and the people would be required to Shema. Moses came down from the mountain and wrote the first 10 and the continuing commandments on a small scroll, and then shook blood-soaked hyssop branches on the scroll, on the stone altar, and on the congregation. He said, this is the blood covenant between you and Yehovah. The people understood the blood covenant. Whoever breaks the covenant incurs the death penalty. Whoever breaks the covenant dies. Moses went back up into the mountain for another 40 days of fasting and was given instructions to build the tabernacle and its furnishings according to the pattern he saw in the mountain. In the holy place, the seven-branched lampstand, the altar of incense, and the table of showbread. In front of the tabernacle, the brazen altar of sacrifice and the brazen laver. And in the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, representing the throne of Almighty God. Finally, Moses was presented, as promised, with the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone, written by the finger of God. When Moses descended the mountain, he came face to face with the golden calf, Apis, the bovine god of the Egyptians. Moses was livid. He threw down the stone tablets, breaking them as Israel had broken God's commandments. The Almighty was furious. He warned, stand back, Moses. I'm going to kill them all and start over with you and your family. They have broken the blood covenant. They have broken the very first commandment I shouted from the mountain. I am Yehovah, your God. You shall put no other gods in my face. Moses refused the order to stand aside. Instead, he returned to the mountaintop 
and for another 40 days of fasting, he pled for the lives of the people. Yehovah, in his mercy, and at the insistence of Moses, devised another plan, a substitution for the immediate death penalty. It was at that time that God gave instructions concerning the brazen altar of sacrifice. No longer would offerings of thanksgiving, peace, and friendship on a simple, unhewn stone altar be sufficient. From that point on, the people were required to sacrifice bulls and goats and lambs and rams year after year, century after century, millennia after millennium, until their death penalty was paid in full. The sin sacrifice on the brazen altar of judgment is a continual and expensive reminder that the death penalty is still owed. I am so excited, but I can't be too loud because I've got Aaron Lipkin down there with our group explaining where we are. We are at the top of a place called Mount Gerizim. We were just at a place called Mount, called Mount Eval. So you got the, the, the mountain of curses and the mountain of blessings. We decided to add both because it's just that significant. We've taken the Bible and we have broken the borders. That's what this whole thing is about. The Bible Beyond Borders is we're not being political. We're just going to where the book says things happen. And that's where we're at right now. So what's so important about this? Not only the place of blessing, but from this spot, we look down into an area that's a pretty, I could say controversial place, Nablus. But in terms of biblical terms, it's called Shechem. And in Shechem is actually the burial place of Joseph. When they were in Egypt, he said, look, I'm gonna die in Egypt, but you bury my bones in the promised land. And I gotta be honest with you, the promised land has got nothing to do with two-state solutions. It is the place that the Bible talks about and we're right there looking at it. You gotta come with us, the Bible Beyond Borders tour. Next fall, we're gonna be at uh, what we call the prayer pilgrimage to Israel, the BFA, Biblical Foundations Academy International, inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith. What better place to do that than the place of the Bible? Join us. No one seems to know how Yehovah's time clock works, even in the promised land. I'm here because in just a little while, we're gonna to attempt to do something that the world is waiting to find out, and that is to actually cite the beginning of the seventh month, one of the most important periods of time in biblical understanding. Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemia Gordon crisscross the Holy Land to bring you Right on Time from Israel, an adventure that will inspire you to treasure the fall feasts of the Lord. When you donate $50 to this ministry in September, we'll send you Right on Time from Israel with Keith Johnson and Dr. Nehemia Gordon. Donate $100 and we'll send you the teaching plus a laser-cut wooden art piece featuring the Second Temple. Donate $300 and we'll send you the teaching, the artwork, and an authentic ram's horn shofar and matching display stand. Offer ends September 30th. Scan the QR code or call the number on your screen or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Ted Clayton. And I'm Michael Rude. And ladies and gentlemen, we got a special thing happening here. And here it is, Ted. What is it? The Chronological Gospels 
are now in Spanish. Yes, the chronological gospels are now in Spanish. And the Spanish speaking world is going crazy over the chronological yeah. gospels. But here's the problem. It could cost as much as the book cost to ship it to South America. Oh, yeah. As much as $30 a book, Michael. We need some help on that. If you would prayerfully consider today a donation of $30 to offset the cost of shipping, because folks in South America, $30 could be half a month or a month's pay. Would you please prayerfully consider giving that $30 today to help ship the Chronological Gospels to South America. We need their help. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless. Some of the traditions in modern-day Judaism are what Yeshua said are takanot, laws which change biblical law, which are forbidden, and Yeshua said don't do them. But other traditions are remembrances of good things in the past, and they are a shadow picture of good things to happen in the future. On the Sabbath, we take two hollow loaves, two loaves of bread. This represents the manna, the double portion that we received on the sixth day. This was God's provision for us. And this is what it continues to mean to us today. When Yeshua, just before his crucifixion, the night before his crucifixion, at the last supper that he had with his disciples, he took bread and he blessed, not the bread, he blessed the Most High. And he said, Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu melech ha'olam hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember this, by his stripes, we were healed. And then he took the cup and he said, in the prayer of Melchizedek to Abraham, Baruch atah Yahuvah, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, Borei Puri hagafen. Blessed are you, Yahuvah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said this, what you have been doing for a thousand years from the time of Abraham, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is how I will pay for the broken covenant. I will pay the death penalty and do this until I come. Last week, did you see what I saw? I mean, we're gonna check in just a second here, but if you haven't seen what I saw, you need to go back and watch last week's episode because Keith Johnson, mm. our first episode in this series, you went to, uh, to Hebron, mm -hmm. and that's where, the, you know, where Abraham is buried, yes. and you went to the Muslim side of this, there's a Muslim and a, and a Jewish side of this, and they allowed you to peer a camera. Yes into the cave. Now, I saw something down at the bottom there, and I was gonna, before this started, I was gonna say, did I see bones? Because only a couple of seconds, I thought, well, maybe I saw bones, I'm gonna ask you next episode. If you haven't watched Shabbat Night Live, episode one, go back and watch it, oh, because man. those are bones. And you know what's interesting wow. about it is we've got people that have actually gone down that very place that I brought the camera down. Yeah. I didn't, uh, Hunter did. That little shaft? They've actually gone down, and it's a, there is a cave down there, it's called a double cave. And uh, they're down there and 
it, there are bones down there. And so it, what you see on the top is you see these huge, you know, looks like tombs. Well, yeah. there's nothing in those tombs. It's beneath huh. that. And so I'd like you to read Genesis chapter 23, verse 17, if okay. you've got your Bible. We're bringing the I Bible do. beyond borders. Read Genesis chapter 23, verse 17 for me. Would you do that? Just 17? Uh, read 17 through 20. Okay. Thus Ephron's field at Machpelah opposite Mamre, the field and the cave that was on it, <laughs> and all the trees that were on it, the whole of its, content, its extent in every direction passed into Abraham's possession in the sight of the sons of Heth and all the citizens of the town. After this, Abraham buried his wife, Sarah, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, opposite Mamre, in the country of Canaan. And so the field and the cave that was on it passed from the sons of Heth into Abraham's possession to be owned as a burial plot. So you have Abraham, Sarah, you have uh, Isaac and Rebekah, you have uh, Jacob and Leah, all buried there. And so these are this, they call it the cave of the patriarchs and the matriarchs. These are the, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you see those three names, you see it, I think off the top of my head, 13 times in the Tanakh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, all of those guys, along with their wives, are there. That's where they're buried. So, and I can imagine that, you know, throughout the centuries, I mean, you, you probably don't desecrate that. You don't disturb oh, that. No. And I can't imagine anybody else would be you know, no. buried there. So what you're looking at is the bones of either Abraham, <laughs> hey, Isaac, Jacob, one of them? All I wanted to do was capture it and let you be able to ask wow. the questions. So you, you caught it, I caught it. Now imagine being there, and the, and, and the video, I'm, they caught me in shock. I'm standing there and I'm looking around like, did I just see what I, like am I work? See, I, I didn't catch I, it in the video, I watched Scott, it went, no. Like, I've been to this place several times, I never knew there was even that thing there, so I'm talking to this guy in, in Arabic, and we go back and forth in, in Arabic, you, huh. you have exchanges of three or four exchanges before you get to the point, okay, that's what they do. <laughs> and so the guy's like, hey, come light this. Anyway, I, <laughs> I wanna do something before we go to the next part where Aaron does I call it part two on Mount Gerizim, which is the Mount of Blessing. I wanna give you, if I can, um, three truths that I believe about the land of Israel. Now, I want people to check me on this, but I'm gonna lay this out. I mean, we're already in controversy, right? So I can just, just put it out there. The first thing I would like to look at is Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the English Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, it says, Bereshit bara Elohim et hashemayim va'et ha'aretz. If you would read it in English, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was- Stop, one verse. Oh, I'm sorry. Last yeah. word and the- Earth. Earth, now that word is the word in, uh, with the, the hay in front of it, Haaretz, or it's often called the Eretz, the land. So let me just give you this theory, that when he created all that he created, it included the land of Israel. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Okay, so remember the word Eretz. Would you remember that? So here's the three things I'd like to say. First of all, Yehovah is the landlord. Agree or disagree? Agreed. <laughs> Second of all, I believe that he's either doing one of two things. He's either gathering his people or he's scattering his people. Because he's the landlord, please excuse me for saying landlord. Someone's gonna say, you can't call him a landlord. He owns the land. He is over the land. He decides who's in the land. He decides who's out of the land. In fact, if you go as early as Adam, what did we find with Adam? 
It says that I think it is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. So he drove the man out of the garden. In other words, he decided, Adam, you know the story. You can no longer be on this piece of land. You're out. Cain, Genesis 4, verse 14. Behold, Cain says, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground. Why could he drive Cain from the face of the ground? Because he owns the ground. Agreed or disagreed? Agreed. He's been evicted. Okay. And then if we go to the next one, let me do this one here. Let's go to Noah, Genesis 7, 13. On the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark along with the animals. In that situation, he gathered Noah's family and the animals. He didn't scatter them, he gathered them. If we go to Genesis 11:9, you don't have to read it. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there Yehovah confused the language of the whole earth, and from there Yehovah scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So there's this process going on. Here's the process. He's either gathering or he's scattering. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he gathered them in Canaan. Agree or disagree? Agreed, yes. Joseph scattered them to Egypt. Agree mm -hmm. or disagree? Yep. Joshua gathered them in Canaan. Agree or disagree? Agreed. Israel and Judah scattered to Assyria and Babylon. Agree or disagree? Agreed, yeah. Exiles, Ezra, under Ezra and Nehemiah, they were gathered in Israel. I love this one. This is a tough one. The Jews of Judea, at the time of the Romans, were scattered by the Romans. Now, here's the point. If the father owns the land, does he have the ability to decide what happens with the land? Yes. Does he have the ability to decide who, what, when, where, why, and how? Yes. This is really interesting. After the Jews were defeated during the Bar Kokhba revolts, around 135, they were exiled or scattered from Judea. Say Judea. Judea. The Romans renamed Jerusalem Aelia Capitolina. And this is, this is just mind-blowing to me. And the land of Judea, they also renamed it. Mm. What did they rename it? Syria, Palestina. Mm. With the clear aim to disconnect the Jews from Judea. Name change changes what they hope to be will connection with the people of Israel. So gathered and scattered. We talked about last week, Joshua's altar. Can I read a verse in Deuteronomy 30, verse three? Here's what it says. So it shall be when all of these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all nations where Yehovah your God has banished you, then Yehovah your God will restore you, <laughs> gather, scatter, scatter, gather, restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and he will gather, can you say gather? Gather. Gather you again from all the peoples where Yehovah your God has scattered you. Say scattered. Scattered. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there Yehovah your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you back. So, 3,500 years, there's always been a remnant of Israel in Israel. Yeah, even if it's a small number, there's always been a footprint. You know, Aaron talks about um, 
the, the footprints of God. Mm. You know, this is your land, wherever, wherever your, where your feet are, that's where you shall be. There's always been some form, a remnant of Jewish people, Israel, in the land of Israel. But in 1880, approximately, I'm giving approximate numbers. Folks, where's my camera? Do I have a camera here? Do I get to look here? Listen, say approximate with me, okay? 1880, approximately 6,000 Jews in the land of Israel. 1917, Balfour Declaration. Approximately 60,000, that's when the British came in and said, listen, we're gonna help fix this problem, we're gonna do the Balfour Declaration, we're gonna have a national homeland for the Jewish people. This is 1917, now it didn't happen for a while, but the intention was there with the Balfour Declaration. Approximately 60,000 Jewish people in the land. 1948 independence, approximately 600,000 in the land. So you go from 6,000 to 60 to 600, I'm not just being cute here, these are approximate numbers. 2023, modern day Israel, there are well over 6 million Jewish people from over 100 countries that are now back in the land mm. of Israel. Scatter, gather. It is a modern day miracle. Mm. It's a modern day miracle, would you agree? Yeah, and it doesn't happen, it doesn't have to happen overnight. You know, gather, scatter. Gather, scatter. Like, I mean, he's got a clock. He yeah. got, he, you know, he does his thing. Let me give you Jeremiah 31.10. I tell you what, you look up uh, Ezekiel, look for the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11, and I'm gonna read Jeremiah 31.10. You're gonna look for Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 17. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 31.10, one of the prophets. Hear the word of Yehovah, O nations, and declare in the coastlands afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. In other words, scattered and gathered. The one who scattered is the one who gathered. This is why I love Israel. I love the land of Israel. Do you understand that when you're in the land of Israel, you're on his land. He's the, he's the landlord. Like, and so he's doing this. He's deciding when, where, why, and how. And my point is until I, we're gathered later, why not visit? Why not go to this place where the DNA of heaven is actually in the dirt? Mm. I mean, it's, <laughs> you can tell I get a little excited. You should see me on tour. I mean, I don't know how they control me. <laughs> but but it, it's amazing just to think that you're in a place where the creator of the universe who said, he created the Eretz, the land, mm -hmm that he is the one that's determining the gathering and the scattering. And there is no question that in our generation right now, we are seeing a prophetic thing happen that we wouldn't have seen if we were born three generations ago or four generations ago. Right. A hundred different countries and they're speaking one language. I mean, think about this. You got people from, I can't even tell you how many different languages. When they make Aliyah to Israel, they go through a process of learning the Hebrew language, which was a dead language hmm. in the 1880s. It's like the exact opposite of the, uh, of the Tower of Babel, right? Because they were wanted one language, God scattered them. But he says, no, we're gonna Preach, do it my brother, way, Scott. right? Preach. We're gonna bring everybody back and then learn my language. That's right, right. Yeah. I love it, I love it. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 17. Got it. Then say, the Lord Yehovah says this, I will gather you together from my peoples. I will bring you all back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. I didn't make it up. 
I love it, gathered, scattered, gathered, scattered. Sometimes I go there and I feel like I'm amongst those that were scattered. Sometimes I feel like I'm there and amongst those that are gathered. But I'll tell you something, just to be there on his land at his time with he owns, he is the ultimate landlord. <laughs> pay your rent, you're out. You don't pay, I mean, you do what you, I mean, he owns it so he can decide uh, as it goes. Now, I wanna tell you something. Gathered, and I'm not gonna do the whole Hebrew thing. I'm gonna let that be for, for, for others. But gathered is the same Hebrew word for the word Kibbutz, that word kibbutz comes from. Oh, yeah. So kibbutz, which is a type of collective settlement that is unique to Israel. In English, the word kibbutz means gathering. So when people in the 1880s had these, established these kibbutzim, they were, they were doing something that is prophetic. They mm. were gathering people. And we're going to talk about through this series. Aaron did a phenomenal job of allowing us to not only uh, be in Judea and Samaria and do Joshua's altar, which again, that was an, an epic <laughs> process. It wasn't like that everywhere, but um, one of the things that he did do is he, he brought us to the place that he lives in Ophrah. And I think mm. during your time, didn't you guys talk about that? Didn't you he, talk he a little bit? He spoke briefly of Ophrah. Mm -hmm. And so, how there, there's things even there that he didn't realize was around him. Exactly, exactly. And it's amazing. And hopefully we'll get a chance to share some of the, uh, some of the video from that. But uh, what I want to do is, is, is take the Bible beyond the man-made borders to experience the power and purpose of his word. That's really what it is. So Mount Gerizim and Shem. This is pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> so you have the father telling Moses to tell Joshua that when you enter into the land, go to this specific spot and do a specific thing. And you think, well, was that just arbitrary? Like, why did he pick you know, Mount Gerizim and Mount Eval, and there've been archeologists that could not find the altar. They were looking in the wrong place. Mm. You know, and again, SNL, Shabbat Night Live, the footprints of God, Joshua, the first episode, you know, Aaron talks about um, uh, Adams are tall, uh, finding this place and how he found it. It's, it's a phenomenal thing. And I, I need to stop and say something. And I'm gonna say this. I think I can, I'm gonna spend a card. I wanna look at people. You've been watching Shabbat Night Live. Uh, you enjoy Shabbat Night Live. You need to support Shabbat Night Live. Let me tell you something. You guys do a phenomenal job. There are people in other countries that know about Shabbat. There are, there are other teachers that would love the opportunity to be here. And it's because Michael had a vision and God gave provision for that to happen. Now, the vision is alive. We need provision to keep doing this. This is an example. We're not, this, what you're watching right now is like free, right? Like on YouTube or yeah. something. I mean, it's, it's, all out there. it's yeah. everywhere and people get to watch it. So again, I want people to support that. And I, for me, I'm, I'm overwhelmed to be able to even come here and, and share this. But Mount Gerizim and Shem. So what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna go to Mount Gerizim mm -hmm. and we're gonna let Aaron teach us from that spot because he does a phenomenal job at a really, really important place. And then Shechem, or Shechem, is another place. Now, I have to give you just a little bit of background. Um, he's gonna be up on what's called a, a lookout. It's called like Joseph's lookout. Because why? If you overlook that place, you see uh, the tomb of Joseph. You see uh, ancient Shechem. You see the place where Jacob had a well. You see the spot where Joshua set up a stone. You see, I mean, the history of where he's, he's looking is absolutely, I, and I get the chills just thinking again that we stood there. But I, I tend to not want to be at the lookout. 
I tend to want to do something a little bit more. So after I left the tour group, went home, I got in the car with a couple of folks from DFA and got my Arab friend to take us to Nablus, to the place, to fill in what we couldn't see up close and personal from the lookout. So what you're about to see, hopefully, if we've got time, we we do, we have time, is you're gonna see about eight to 10 minutes of Aaron teaching. Now it's gonna be partly Aaron up at the top. The other part (laughs) is me going down. Now here's my reason for this, Scott. I just feel like um, if he's the landlord and it's his land, um, and I understand political issues and I understand struggles that people have um, Palestinian and, and Israeli, and, and we can talk even more about that. But, but when I got my Bible, this is my book. This is my favorite book. I, you know what I did over and over again? I would take this book, I would put it on the, uh, on the uh, dashboard mm-hmm. of the taxi cab, and whenever I saw, this actually happened in real life, on the day that we went to Nablus was Military Appreciation Day. As we're driving through Nablus, we see the police, we stop over, my friend calls and finds out that there had just been a shooting. Mm. We had just gone past a place where there had been a shooting. Sure enough, they, they were celebrating Military Appreciation Day and some enemies of Israel were driving a car and as they were running on this marathon, they came by and shot them. So it's real. I mean, this is real. I mean, we're going past military checkpoints. We're going places and they say, don't go to Nablus. Let's stay up at the top. But to, for me, I feel like, well, wait a minute. If this is the place where Abraham was, Isaac was, Jacob was, Joshua was, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, the story goes on and on and on. Why can't I go there? Certainly I need to go get some good uh, footage so Michael will be impressed <laughs> and the people of SNL will be able to watch it and see it. So that's what we're going to see in the second half is, 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 is actually Aaron teaching from that spot. Mm, wow. So Nablus. Now, this is a place that is, I mean, this is the place you don't go, right? Well, like, some how many people tours go to Nablus? You know, and I will tell you this, we'll talk a little bit in the second half, is that, uh, that, that there are Jewish people that go there now, but they can only go there in the dark of night, between midnight and 4 a.m. with military support. And oh, wow. the people of Nablus go nuts when they're coming through, but it, it is a, it's a tense place. And I can tell you some other reasons why, but uh, it's also a very important place. And you went through this place in the daylight. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because I've got to get the footage for you guys. <laughs> well, we'll watch that footage next. Okay, so thank you. Thank you for watching us. And uh, thank you for supporting Shabbat Night Live. As Keith mentioned, thank you again, Keith, for mentioning that because that's how this happens, okay? This is how we get other people to see this in the future. Other people gave in the past so that you could see it now. You need to give now so other people can see this into the future. As Aaron said in the last episode, we need more people to go to Israel so that they can make some of these places as national heritage sites, so it becomes commonplace to go there and that we can have more understanding between people to appreciate these sites because they are really special places. So. Thank you for your support. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that. We'll be right back. Hey, thank you for blessing us all here at Shabbat Night Live, including Keith Johnson. And speaking of blessing, we want to talk about Mount Gerizim. Absolutely. And before we talk about Gerizim, we're also going to take for just a second to give the Bible verses on Shechem or Shechem. Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the Oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Genesis 35, 4. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem or Shechem. Joshua 24:25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. 
And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of Yehovah. Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be for a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of Yehovah, which he has spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you so that you do not deny your God. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but when you says it says um, the sanctuary of Yehovah, that later gets changed uh, further in the book of Judges to the temple of El Berit. Judges 9.46, when all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the inner chamber of the temple of El Berit. It was told Abimelech that all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem were gathered together. House of El Berit, El God Berit Covenant. So by the time we get to Judges, they take the words, the temple or the sanctuary of Yehovah, and it becomes the sanctuary of the Brit, the covenant. Mm. But it's pretty <laughs> amazing. First Kings 12.1, then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. First Kings 12.25, then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. We have the son of Solomon, the first king after Solomon, going to this place, it was significant. We have Jeroboam of the Northern Kingdoms going to this place, it's significant. So we've got Abraham, we got Jacob, we got Joshua, we got these other kings and there's even more that happens. There's another verse, I think in Deuteronomy, I want you to read that. Yes, Deuteronomy 11 uh, verses 29 and 30, it reads, when Yehovah your God has brought you into the land which you are to enter and make your own, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim mm -hmm. and the curse on Mount Ebal. These mountains, as you know, are beyond the Jordan on the westward road in the land of the Canaanites who live in the plain opposite Gilgal near the Oak of Moreh. That's pretty specific. I, you know, you're so sharp. <laughs> Most people read those verses and move on, but guess what you just did? Mm. You said, wait a minute, it's telling me where to find the mountain. Read verse 30 again. Verse 30 reads. Stop before you read it. Okay. Now, this, 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 is, this, is, this is the Torah. Moses has told them where they got to go. What does he do in verse 30 to make it really clear? The, these mountains, as you know, are beyond the Jordan, on the westward road, <laughs> in the land of the Canaanites, who live in the plain, opposite Gilgal, near the Oak of Moray. It's like, look, I, I don't know, you, you, you just traveled, I think, you, you just went to go see your, your daughter in, uh, in, in Arkansas. Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Did you use a, what did you use? I used a, a GPS. Okay, GPS. Or um, GPS Apple Maps. What did yeah. it tell you? It told me to turn left, go here, and this is where it's going to be. And This verse is biblical GPS. This, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's other ones like this, and, and I'm, we're gonna talk about it as we go on. There are verses, um, Scott, where it is in no uncertain terms clear directions where you're supposed to go. And so that's why for me, now if I'm reading this and it's telling me where to go to Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, and to go to Mount Eval, the Mount of Curse, but because it's in Nablus, which is present day politically incorrect and controversy, and there's a group that actually is in uh, Nablus called uh, the Lion's Den Freedom Fighters. You know, mm -hmm. these are people that the Palestinian Authority actually have pays to actually be a part of the Palestinian Authority security where they were terrorists. I mean, it's, it's, mm. it is crazy. I mean, there's a little video, I don't know if we'll get a chance to show it, maybe at some point, where I'm sitting there in uh, a place called Tel uh, Balata, and I'm teaching about Tel Balata, but in the back, all I hear is sirens. You know, mm. I actually went, I don't know, I should tell you this, while I was there, I actually needed to go into uh, Josh, Joseph's tomb. 
Joseph's tomb is actually there in uh, Shechem. And I needed to get into Joseph's tomb, but it's a very controversial place. So I went there and I, I had talked to the, uh, to the uh, Palestinian police and, and put my arm around them and you know, handshake and hug and tried to do the same thing that I do with my friends and, and Israeli uh, police. But they said, hey, we can't help you. We can't let you in. Why can't you let me in? You, you, you got to let me in. I got to show people this place. No, we can't let you in. Who can let me in? Well, you can go over to the Palestinian Authority and talk to them. So I take my Arab driver, take me to the Palestinian Authority. I walk into the Ministry of uh, Interior. Who's the boss? I need to get into Joseph's tomb. They bring me to a guy. I meet him. I shake his hand. I put my arm around him. He says, you can't get in. We're not going to let you in. Who can make this decision? You got to go to another building. So I go to another building and I go in there and they say, sir, we can't let you in because Israel has told us we can't let you in. Oh, really? It's that controversial. But I got good news. <laughs> I got video where I had a Palestinian police officer let me into Joseph's tomb and we're going to show it right here. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love it, Scott. I mean, this is fun. This is the border. Do we have, do you have a minute here? Let, yes. Let me show you the border. I'm going to call it to the borders. We got a map up on the screen right now that will show you that. That's Mount Gerizim and Shechem. It is beyond the border. It is in what is called Judea and Samaria. Nablus is actually a Roman uh, town, name of a town that the Romans actually gave them. But what I love about this is that, um, is that when you're there, again, and again, I, I, I don't want to discount uh, the challenges that both the Palestinian security has and the Israeli security. When you've got people that live in these areas that have one thing on their mind, there are people that live in those areas that have one thing on their mind, which is the uh, eradication of the people that have been gathered. Hmm. I mean, there are people there that it, it is their goal. I, just before we went uh, this last time, there was a really sad story. The Jordan Valley, uh, two young girls who had moved to Israel with their family, uh, driving with their mother. J right along the road, right past Jericho, and boom, they get shot, killed. I mean, it, 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 is, it is sad at how far uh, people will go. And then on the other side, you've got these amazing things that are happening at this place. Uh, we'll talk about it after, after, we, after uh, we, we show um, Aaron talking at uh, this place. But the amazing things that are happening in the land right now, believers that are actually in the land helping the gathering take place. I mean, it is so encouraging. It is so, so, so absolutely amazing. But that is where uh, Mount Gerizim and, and Shemar um, what Aaron did for us is that we decided, we extended uh, our time at Mount Eval. We had such a wonderful time at Mount Eval and the sun was setting, it was getting close anyway. And I said, you know, was, he, he actually said, Keith, you know, let's make a shift. Uh, let's go over to Gerizim. And so what he did was he uh, took us over to Gerizim and in about nine or 10 minutes, he did what I'm going to consider to be uh, the best teaching that I've heard from that spot. Here's a man who lives in Judea and Samaria. Here's a man who lives his faith. You know, what I love about um, Lipkin Tours is they do some great tours for Christians. I mean, they, they will, they will, they will take, they'll take you to Nazareth. They'll take you to Bethlehem. I mean, they'll take you to all of those places. But what I really love about what Aaron does is that I, he's the only tour company I know of that's actually, that's actually rooted in Judea and Samaria. Mm. And, and it's his specialty. So it was, a, it was really, really, really something to be able to, um, uh, to be with him. And again, we had a group of people that were um, willing to go anywhere that we, they didn't even ask for the itinerary. 
They're from Louisiana. There could be something about that. <laughs> I called it the Bayou Bible Beyond Borders Tour. These guys are from the Bayou. <laughs> they work with alligators and stuff, seriously. And, and like, they, they weren't afraid of anything. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing. Wow. <laughs> so we're going to watch that video? Yes, we're going to do it. Okay. Okay, everybody. Uh, we are at a lookout point called Mitzpe Yosef, or the lookout of Joseph. Uh, and there's a reason why it's called the lookout of Joseph. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but I want to come back just to, 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 to go back to the issue of the ceremony of blessings and curses, um, the altar where the tribes stood. Uh, so if you remember, we, we, we were at the army base. We, 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 were, we stopped over there and looked at the valley at the city of Nablus, uh, which is inside this valley. Uh, and, and so the idea is that the ceremony of blessings and, and curses did happen here in this valley. The acoustics are, are great. The, the distance is, is everything works out uh, and it can be done here. So all you have to do is just close your eyes or actually open your eyes and imagine, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and, and just imagine the, the roar of the amen that, uh, that, that we would probably hear here if we were here. Um, <laughs> So let's, let's just, uh, and, and, uh, and again, the, the Christian archaeologists are looking for the altar on this slope, can't find it, and Adam Zertal finds it behind the ridge of Mount Ibal. Okay, so that's kind of like where we are. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Nablus and uh, Shechem are two separate entities. Okay, <laughs> Nablus is a Roman city that was built inside the valley Lots of uh, springs coming out, so there's, there's, a, there's constant uh, flow of water. Remember, the land of Israel is not like Egypt. It's not like we don't have the Nile, we don't have the Mississippi. We have springs. Uh, that's, that's how people here um, drink water. And that's why, by the way, the, uh, the location, the geographical, geographical location of the uh, towns and the villages never changed. It's, it always kept the same because these springs uh, are thousands of thousands of years old. Um, so this is this is Nablus. You can see that Nablus is actually growing and expanding. Um, what? How many Arab residents live in Nablus is a great question. And uh, I've heard estimates from 130,000 to 30,000. Uh, so I really I really can't tell, and I don't know. And but it, it really touches one of those issues that I'm going to talk to you about, which is uh, demography. Um, demography in a, in a Jewish nation state. Uh, so we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So, if this is not Shechem, where is Shechem? So, you see that patch of land in the middle, that green patch of land in the middle? Yeah. Welcome to Shechem. Oh, okay. Uh, this is called in Arabic Tel Balata. And uh, 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 you could see that the, there is actually a very uh, a big wall that surrounds the city. Uh, we see just uh, the, the west part of the wall. The rest is obviously covered by the, um, the uh, buildings that are on, on, virtually built on, on the tell. Um, the, this wall is, actually dates as far back as the Canaanite period. It's like, it's what I, what I said earlier, late bronze, uh, you know, around the 1700, 1800 BC. That's how, how, how ancient it is. Uh, what's interesting about uh, this tell is the, uh, the temple. Do you see a rectangular structure, ruin, on top of the tell? 
okay? That is the temple of Shechem. And the reason why I'm pointing it out is because we have several stories in the Bible that mention the temple of Shechem. Sometimes it's the temple of Adonai, sometimes it's the temple of Baal. Uh, there, there are different um, names to it, but uh, whenever ever you hear about a temple in Shechem, they're referring to that structure. Another thing I want to point out is what's to the right of it, okay? Because the sun is really shining from the west, you can see it very clearly. Do you see a stone sticking out? Okay, why is this stone important? When we talk about ceremonies and Joshua, we're not just talking about the ceremony of blessings and curses. When Joshua is about to pass away at the end of the book of Joshua, there's another ceremony. That ceremony takes place at the temple of Adonai. And the Bible mentions clearly that Joshua makes the Israelites vow that they will follow the God of the Israelites and His commandments. The people of Israel vow to Joshua that they will. And then Joshua erects a big stone at the temple of Adonai. Okay? Now, um, most Bible scholars believe, I'm, I'm, I have goosebumps, that the, the stone that you see here is the exact stone that Joshua erected. And it was found during the excavations of the Temple of Shechem a hundred years ago. Uh, but uh, to think what this stone saw since, um, including modern times, uh, that the, the Israeli tanks coming in in 1967 and, and, and liberating this area, just one of those events. Um, so, if this is Shechem, what's the other important biblical site of Shechem? The tomb of Joseph, thank you. Uh, the Bible mentions clearly that Joseph is taken from Egypt, carried through the desert, and buried near Shechem, okay, at the area called Chelkata Sadeh, which was purchased by Jacob. Where is the traditional location of the tomb of Joseph? Um, it's, it's a bit complicated, so you'll have to, we have to do this together. Ready? Okay. Do you see that there's another green patch of land uh, near these uh, tall buildings? Do you see it? It's, it's above and to the right of Shechem. Do you see it? Okay, let's get closer to us. There's a building with an N shape, uh, or rather a, you know, it's an N shape. That's a school, do you see the school? Okay, get closer to us. There's another school, same shape. Okay, there's a basketball court. There's a basketball court in the middle, and then a, a, a school. Do you see it? To the left of that school is a white dome that is currently under the partly under the shade. Do you see it? That's Joseph's tomb. Now uh, we have we have a lot of tombs, and we have a lot of tombs in Israel. Uh, the question is, is this the real tomb? Uh, sometimes you go to a tomb, the tomb of Samuel, for example, we're going to see the tomb of Samuel tomorrow morning, and most archaeologists and historians and Bible scholars say that it's not Samuel's tomb, okay? So uh, there you have sometimes late, late traditions in the times of the Crusades that came in, and one of the tombs, like the Machpelah cave in Hebron, that's like spot on, okay? 
The second tomb that most scholars believe is the true tomb is Joseph's tomb. So, so biblically, it has a very valid uh, uh, tradition. Uh, historically, it's, it's documented. And so many people believe that, that that is Joseph's tomb. And uh, in order to get there, if you're an American, you're invited to do it in, in your free time. Uh, if you're Jewish, then you have to do it with the army. And it only happens twice a month, midnight. And it's not a pleasant visit, I have to say. Uh, yeah, it's not, a, not pleasant at all. But people come here and they pray and they worship and they connect to Joseph. And it's, it's, it's you know, whatever we can do, we do. So is, is that a point of, of ridicule that they would say only at midnight and two times a month? Well, no, I think it's more because there's a, there, there are so many people that absolutely know that this is Joseph's tomb. And so what Israel's trying to do is to accommodate uh, the people that want to be able to get there and also be able to deal with the fact that it is a, an, an enclave uh, for a lot of tension. Usually mm. when they go there, like he says, it's not a, a pleasant trip. He's being really nice about it. Sometimes they get stopped in the middle of the night. There's tires that are burning. There's sometimes the snipers. Oh, wow. Joseph's tomb has been uh, you know, set on fire more than once. There've been riots there. Uh, there'd probably, Israel would probably at some time would may, maybe say, you know, it's, is, it, is, it worth, is it worth the, uh, the hassle to do it? And they'd say, absolutely it is. This is a place that is absolutely significant to this Bible that they believe to be the word of God. And so um, it's, an, it's an amazing place. Um, there's, there's much that we could talk about with this. I do want people to be able to look at Deuteronomy 27, 11 through 28, 6, where you're reading the curses. They're on homework. Read the curses, read the blessing. You'll find that there's a lot of discussion about what happens when we don't do what Yehovah calls us to do. I mean, a lot of words, a lot of ink, is there, and I, I think it's worth uh, people, I don't wanna rush uh, to be able to do that, but I do think it's very important. We were at Mount Eval, we were at Mount uh, um, Gerizim. Uh, we got a chance to, to spend some time there with um, um, Yuval, the, the ministry there, where they do the planting. They're gonna plant 20,000 trees with the help of believers that go to Israel mm -hmm. to help them plant trees. It's a fulfillment. I wanna give a verse real quick if I can, Jeremiah 31.5. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria, which is exactly where we are. The planters will plant and will enjoy them. So this is an example where we take the Bible, we go to the border, we bring them there, but then the question is, do we believe it? Do we believe that that's actually what's happening? And, and obviously there's a lot that it's hard to argue with that, uh, that the landlord isn't choosing to to bless that land and bless the people and to gather. Oh, well, there's a lot more we wanted to talk about today, but yeah. we ran out of time, yeah. so let's do we it next more. week. We got more, we, we got, got more, we got more. So you join us next week. Thank you, Keith, for joining us. And we will see you next time on Shabbat Night Live. And until then, Shavua Tov and Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.